0: say how good God is Praise to be able to praise God we have to actually know God and we have to know what he's capable of, we have to know what he's done we have to well here's here's an easy example there's okay this is hypothetical, there's a new restaurant in town and you hear there's not really a new restaurant in town. So don't go looking for it this afternoon. <laughs> this is hypothetical. There's a new restaurant in town. So uh, you hear it's good and you tell people, I hear it's good. But if you've never been there, you really don't know if it's good, do you? And, and lots of people say, well, like in, and, and God uses everything. In Oak Ridge, there, there was a guy his mom passed away and he didn't know who to ask and he was having a difficult time so he starts talking to another guy whose wife comes to our came to our church there in Oak Ridge, but he didn't come to our church in Oak Ridge. so the one whose mom's passed away said i don't know what to do and and the, the guy said well you need to start reading the bible and go to the nazarene church the one that gave that advice, he showed up once every other year. And I will say that God used it because we ended up becoming friends. He came to the, the, the guy came to the church for a while and then, you know, like the, the, the story of the four types of soil, life just got in the road and he, we were still friends he took me fishing he'd take me fishing about once a year you know but life just got in the road but god used the first guy that said well you know go there so we can say yeah go to that restaurant it's good but when you go to it and you find out it's good your story's way different isn't it you become more passionate about it and that's why praise god is we got to know god we have to know God. And I know I have the slides up there. I just haven't. Okay. Okay. No, I'm not. So is my... Let's try that button. Okay. That's we have to know God. So the two Sundays ago, I talked about God the Father. Last Sunday... I talked about who is Jesus and how he came to show us who God really is, show us the way to God, show us how much God loves us and I also said the reason that Jesus died on the cross the the result was our sins were forgiven but he he did it first because he loved God. That's why he came here because he loved God. And Showed us who God is and how God loves us. And the result is our sins get to be forgiven. And we know how to get to God and to be in God's presence. So this week I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Who is? Somebody left a the out of there. Who is the Holy Spirit? in judges 6 34 you know we're in judges by the way as we read through today we should have been through judges 13 and the last verse of judges 13 is Samson was born the the book of judges talks about well and i keep hearing it when you know since in the old testament since genesis there's a lot of Death and dying and blood all through and and in the book of judges there's more of that too and we discovered in Sunday school or we talked about in Sunday school the judges that had the most most blood it seemed got the longest chapters because there there's a couple of them in chapter ten we Greg was quick to point out that there was a man named Dodo in the Bible. Uh, but but that judge, who was a descendant of Dodo, had three verses. And the one after him only had two or three verses. And his highlight was he had 30 sons who rode 30 donkeys in charge of 30 cities. They didn't have any blood on their hands. But then you... you you get to the next one and there's just blood all over the place and went for you know there's a lot of it in judges but at the start of judges it says they would turn their back on God and follow Baal and and God would turn them over to whatever they were doing and they would become you know even um controlled by these other tribes and they would turn to God, and he would send a judge and save them. As soon as the nation turned to God, he would send a judge and save them. And in, right here in Judges chapter 6, which is Gideon, where it says the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew his trumpet, summoning the... I never say it right. Abias writes to follow him. It says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Starting tomorrow when we read about Samson's life, now that he's been born, we hear the same thing. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. And he collapsed the temple. And he you know the story went on and on about it. Say the spirit of the Lord came upon him; he killed a lion with his bare hands. The spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he killed three hundred men. The spirit of the Lord came upon him, it says. And the same spirit of the Lord that's right here that came upon Gideon. Do you remember the story of Gideon that we just read? He said he was the lowest. Uh, uh, of the lowest of the lowest of his tribe. And he was so scared that he was thrashing his grain in a wine press where they couldn't be seen. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him. I want to talk today about the spirit of the Lord. And, it, and if you remember, it was just a couple months ago that I talked about the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit again today. And I want to start with, you know, the Nazarene Church has a statement on the Holy Spirit. It has a statement, and it's followed by several um, references in the New Testament. But it says, We believe in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune Godhead, that He is ever-present and efficiently active, uh, active in and with the Church of Christ convincing the world of sin, regenerating those who repent and believe, sanctifying believers, and guiding into all truth as it is in Jesus. It's a lot, isn't it? That's a whole lot that the Holy Spirit's doing. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And what He does. We got that part. Here's the first thing that the Holy Spirit does. Shows us God. Have you ever seen those paintings that look real impressive? You know, it's like a winter landscape with birch trees all around and rocks behind it. And, And then there's something that comes up that says, you know, find the elk. And you start looking through there and you can see all through the, the picture is, made, is painted with elk. The, the tree branches turn into elk. The rocks turn into elk, everything. You find elk all over the place. But sometimes you just can't see it. You know there's supposed to be elk there. You just can't see it. And it takes somebody to come along and say, well, here's one right here, and here's one over here. And just to go through, and pretty soon your eye gets trained on seeing those elk. It can be anything. I've seen one where it was Indians and horses, and it just goes on and on. And then there's, you know, you you get out in the woods, and you think you see something, but you're not sure you see something, and somebody says, well, look over there, and they see you know, start counting the deer and you have no idea. And they start describing where it's at and you're looking the wrong direction. And pretty soon you end up seeing it. It takes times, at times, somebody to show us who and where and what it is. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He shows us God. Look at this scripture. This is John 15, you have in your bulletin, you know, a spot that you can take notes, by the way. It's right there. It's not because I have such great things to say. It's because my job is to help you get closer to God. Your job is to get closer to God. And if you take notes... (laughs) Okay, this, this... La- Yesterday, I got to go to um, the Beaver game, and a, a, a friend of ours went with us, Bud Pugh, and Bud, Bud starts, he's, he's saying, you've got to preach tomorrow, and I'm going, yeah, and, and Bud goes, well, I heard a story about a, a, a guy that stood up in front of, a pastor that stood up in front of his congregation and said, this week's been a tough week. Sister Jane passed away, and I have been with the family, and I've had all these other things to do, and my sermon's not really as good as it should be, so we're just going to have to depend on the Holy Spirit, and next week I'll do better. Um, We're, think about it, uh, we're we're not, I'm going to do good if I can keep my computer on. But the the Holy Spirit shows us things. And so your responsibility is to take the notes and let the Holy Spirit talk to you and, and work in your life too. It's not just an exercise for me to do. That's why you take notes. John 15, verse 26. And I know it's right there on the screen. But let me read it to you right out of the Bible, which isn't always, I sometimes have different translations, but it's right there on the screen. John 15, verse 26, this is Jesus talking, and he says this, when the Comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. will testify about me he's going to tell them about god he's going to tell them about jesus he's going to tell them and tell us who god is he's going to convict us he's going to forgive us he's going to sanctify us he's going to lead us into god's presence that's what he's here for and so the first thing is he's going to show us God. The second one is the Holy Spirit guides us and empowers us. When we lived in, the, well, when our girls were little, I was their coach in all the sports that they did. Just because I was a parent and they needed parents to coach, and so I would coach. When Elise was was well, she eight when we started her in softball, Lynn? And I became her coach. And it's really fun watching eight-year-old girls playing softball. But one of the girls one day thought, well, we need sunflowers, sunflower seeds. So she brought sunflower seeds. So you see, and you know, all of the girls had them and had them in their pockets. So you see them out there on the field with their mitt off, Reaching in their pocket to get one sunflower seed, and they're doing this, trying to, you know, with their fingers, trying to get it going. Then the ball would go by them, and they didn't, wouldn't know what was going on. So one practice, I got made fun of for this, but one practice, I told them, "You're going to learn how to eat sunflower seeds, and if you can't do it this way, you can't have them on the field." And and so I taught them how to take a few sunflower seeds, put them in their cheek, which is what you're supposed to do. How to crack it with their teeth, you just you know, move it over you your crack it with your teeth, spit the shell out without using your hands, and chew the seed part up and swallow. And we took like half an hour <laughs> learning how to do that. And they all went home and told their parents, I know how to eat sunflower seeds. And at the next game, the parents were chuckling about it, and those girls were out there, they were concentrating on softball because they knew how to eat sunflower seeds. I had to guide them through it, but man, did they, they were just so proud of themselves. The Holy Spirit has to do that to us, too. He has to guide us and empower us. Maybe not to eat sunflower seeds, but he's got to guide us through life, all the stuff that's thrown in front of us. And we go back to Judges 6, 34. The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew the trumpet the spirit of the lord came upon gideon and he blew the trumpet and then john 16:13 which says but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth he will not speak on his own he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come He'll guide you. He'll empower you. And he will speak only what he hears. Jesus said the same thing. I only say what the Father has told me to say. I only say what I hear. I'm not speaking about myself. I am speaking what the Father has told me to say. The Holy Spirit has the same command. Speak only what you hear. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, this is John saying this, and John is also the one revelation of Jesus Christ that talks about the end and, and what will happen. And it was through, the, he said, it was through the Holy Spirit that he had this vision. And sometimes the telling us what is yet to come is what life will be like when we pass away and are in the presence of God. Because, like it or not, we're all going to pass away eventually. It's just how it works. And, and the Holy Spirit is there to remind us and, and to guide us into God's presence. And there's Philippians 2, 12 and 13. I really like the book of Philippians. I really like Philippians 2, where it talks about Jesus Christ. And in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It's the Holy Spirit works in you. It says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That means we've got to be checking with God, is this correct? Is this the way I should go? And it says, for it is God, the Holy Spirit, who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. So He works in us to have the desire to do what He asks. He also works in us to give us the strength to do what He asks. asks. We have to do it. So the Holy Spirit guides and empowers us. He doesn't ask us to do anything. Now, there is a um quote that goes around that god won't ask us to do anything that we can't handle. Let me tell you that's not true because if we can handle it, we don't need God. Lynn has a a saying that she wrote on a little chalkboard that and it says life begins at the end of your, at the edge of your comfort zone. It's where God is. If we're in our comfort zone, we can handle it. But he works on us to to desire and to have the strength to get outside of that comfort zone. God won't give us anything that we cannot handle with him. We had we have a, a friend who's Daughter died of cancer when she was 18. And while she was going through cancer, he would come to me and say, I keep saying to God, this is enough I can't handle anymore. And then something else would happen. And and the next Sunday he'd say, "I I told God, this is enough I can't handle anymore. But it wasn't about... What he could handle is about what God could handle. And at that little girl's funeral, the church was packed. There was five or 600 people there. She got interviewed on the radio because she got to be a torchbearer for the Olympics when it went through Salem. She got interviewed on the radio. She talked about Jesus. And lives were changed. She passed away a month before her birthday, a month before graduating from high school. He gives us the strength. He works in us to desire. And and that husband and wife, the, the parents of this girl, held on to each other and held on to God. It's still tough. 15 years later it's still tough maybe 16 years later but they're still holding on to God and the Holy Spirit works in us to desire to do His will and gives us the strength to do His will they could have bailed, they didn't and the Holy Spirit works in us that way for that to to happen in our lives so when it gets tough, it's like that, that warped saying, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hold on. It's what you got to do. Just hold on because God knows what you're going through and he knows what he wants to do and he get, he, the Holy Spirit works in you to hold on and to keep letting him work in your life. So here's the question. What happens when the Holy Spirit works in our lives? And I have Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And most of us can quote that by heart. Or we can get close. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. And when he talks about the law is not against such things, he's talking about the law that God gave the Israelites in the Old Testament. That law is not against such things. Which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, let's look at this again. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is... A lot of time we say the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it's the fruit of the Spirit is. So when the Holy Spirit works in your life, you don't just get one of them. You get all of them. And this is an indication if the Holy Spirit's working in your life. It's not given to us so that we can look at somebody and say, well, they say they're a Christian, but they don't have love. And patience is definitely not theirs. And obviously self-control they don't have. It's not given to us so that we can look at other people and, and see if they're right. The fruit of the Spirit, this list is given to us so we can look at ourselves and see if we're right. Our way back in Matthew 7? Jesus said, um, why do you worry about the speck in your neighbor's eye when you got a tree stuck in your eye? Get the tree out of your own eye and then maybe you can help them with the speck in their eye. Or in John, I don't know where I, I, I didn't put it up there. At the end of John, the last chapter of John, let me turn back to it. I'm sorry I didn't get it up there. Let me give it to you. You can just write it down as it is. It's John 21, verse, um, yeah, verse 21 and 22. Let me set this up for you. It's after Jesus had been killed, after he'd risen again, The disciples went fishing. Jesus from the shore starts hollering at them and asking how it's gone. Well, we haven't gotten any. He says, well, you know, put your net on the other side. And then he calls them in for breakfast. He already had fish cooking for them. And and he says to Peter, do you love me? Three times he said that. And three times Peter said, you know I do. And he said, well, feed my sheep. So then we get to verse 21. And I guess I can start with verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? He's also known as John. John always referred to himself as the one who Jesus loved. And verse 21, when Jesus saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? you must follow me and what he's saying is they're none of your business the relationship with me you and me is what's important to you and out of that relationship between you and me feed my sheep but don't worry about that guy over there so our job with this scripture is not to uh, uh, of Galatians 5 is not to judge other people and say well they don't have the holy spirit our job is to say do i have the holy spirit and use it as a list to us are these are the, is this fruit evident in my life am i love do i have joy am i patient am i kind am i good Am I faithful? Am I gentle? Do I have self-control? And so then I have to say, you cannot do these things. The only way that you can get these things is if you say, God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. And you have to humbly give yourself to Him and let the Holy Spirit work in you. And when the Holy Spirit works in you and plows up your heart and your mind and gets rid of everything and becomes Lord of everything, this is what grows. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the Holy Spirit. He's not here just... To show us who God is. Which is what he's here for. He's not here just to convict us. Which is what he's here for. He's here to produce a fruit. That the world can see. That's what he's here for. Because remember. Praise God. Know God. It's about God. And when the Holy Spirit works in our lives and the fruit starts growing and people start seeing and they say, wow, there's... What do you have? I want that. You're, you're different. Then you can tell them, I have Jesus. And he changed my life. You knew me before But once I got Jesus, He changed my life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And when we know God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we can praise God. We can praise God for who He is. And we can show our praise for God by letting him be in charge by humbly submitting okay God I tried to straighten you out but your way is right I'm sorry and allow him to work in our lives so that we become a reflection of God to the world around us which is the A which is approach others for God. And remember, R is to reveal God to each other. That's worship. So we can worship, and as we worship God, it's revealed to each of us. And we can lift each other up and worship God more. Like we get to do with John, by the way, because God's been working on him in that lake. And we can do it with Esther. And, and we can praise God because the Holy Spirit is working in us. Let's stand together. And I have a question for you. Do you see the Holy Spirit working in your life? That's my question. Do you see the Holy Spirit working in your life? So then's my next question. Question. If you don't, what do you need to do so that the Holy Spirit is working in your life? Usually it involves surrendering control, asking for forgiveness, and giving it all to Him and say, God, go for it. And if the Holy Spirit is working in your life, can he work better in your life? And what do you need to do to let him work better in your life? Because the truth is, when, when our sins are forgiven, we're perfected in the forgiveness of our sins and in the presence of God. But Sometimes we're like onions, and you've got to peel the layers off. And so we give all that we know to God And then he says, great. Then he says, okay, now let's work on this one. And he peels it off some more until he gets down to our core. That's the Holy Spirit. So as we pray today, I'll pray, but you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to start working more in your life than he is. If you have to submit, do that. If you just have to say, God, work some more do that because as the Holy Spirit draws us closer to God he also draws us closer to each other and we can praise God more in the good the bad and the ugly so let's pray Lord thank you for the Holy Spirit thank you for God the Father and God the Son and your willingness to love us And thank you that your desire is that we have a relationship with you and that it's not about us, but it's all about you. And Lord, help us to know you for who you are. And I ask that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. That you will peel away all the layers till we are down to our core. And Lord, help us to humbly submit to you and to humbly give you control of our lives and to hold on to you tightly Lord that that scripture in Philippians where you work in us to desire increase our desire and you give us the strength increase our strength because you know better than us how bad it is sometimes around us and how much struggle we go through But help us to not just desire and have the strength, Lord, help us to take the step into your presence. I thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. I thank you for your love that paid the debt that we couldn't and for the comforter that guides us. Please, Lord, save us, salvage us, sanctify us, as a body. In your name I pray, Lord. Amen.